Hey everyone, Clay here. Just wanted to let you know my graphic novel Bloody Hell is now for sale in stores and on Amazon. So if you'd like to help support the show, get yourself a copy of that. Thanks so much. Here's the show. Welcome back to the Rotten Horror Picture Show, the horror movie podcast, where we talk about films off the Rotten Tomatoes 200 Best Horror Movies of All Time list. My name is Clay. With me is Amanda. How are you doing, Amanda? Uh, I don't know, because I had to watch this fucking movie. <laughs> I mean, we're on a bit of a trend. This is our uh, second uh, OBGYN-centered <laughs> film. I really don't like it. I I am ready to move on. Yeah. Yeah. Go to a different wing of the hospital. Yeah, yeah. Can't we just have some normal like stabbings or mm-hmm. I don't know, mm-hmm. just creepy nurses that aren't involved well, in I, anything childbirth? I don't want to ruin it right now, hmm. but I did hit the randomizer earlier. Oh no! And uh, don't worry, we got a good one coming up next Rewatching time. Rewatching audition. No. Um, <laughs> today we're doing "It's Alive" mm. from uh, 1974. It is number 196 on our list with 78% Rotten Tomato score. What is wrong with 78% of people? Um, we, the, I, I don't know if this is jumping the gun too much, but I feel like we're going to have a long discussion yeah. about what's going on with this list. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, I think we have to. Yeah. Um, had you seen this before? No. Had you heard of it before? I think I had, but I... I had much different slash better expectations for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it, it, it was, it, I came to this, um, I would I would say I came to this pretty much entirely fresh. Yeah. What about yeah. you? Uh, same. It, this was one of those, um, this was a big video store, much like Dead and Buried. This was kind of a big video store movie for me where yeah. I saw the case. Yes. You know, it's got pretty iconic artwork of the, the baby bassinet or whatever yes yeah um yeah i feel like that that one still image is much more vivid to me than anything else about the movie yeah i think i in my brain i get it mixed up with um sometimes they come back the stephen king movie oh interesting. i'm not really sure why i think it it might be the font or something i mean it's probably around the same time period so i could definitely imagine some of the styling being yeah similar um but yeah, this was one I, I, I never picked up. Uh, I knew it only from the cover. And uh, boy, if I could go back in time. <laughs> and warn past Clay. Tell my past <laughs> self what he was missing. He would say thank you and then just keep walking in to the different <laughs> section. Of the and movie. when we got to this movie on our list, he would say, I think we can skip that one. Yeah, well, yes. <laughs> Let's not bury the lead, I guess. Um, But yeah, we are going to take a quick break. We're going to play the trailer for you, and then we are going to 
very excitedly talk about this movie that I'm sure you can tell we both loved. Number one fans. It's alive. It's alive. Can you hear me? It can't be saved. It's got to die. It's alive. It's alive. Why are you so anxious to be the one to do it? It's alive. It's alive. Nobody knows how this thing happened. It's really a matter of speculation, and I think perhaps that's for the best. After all, if we find out that the cause is medication that we manufacture, and it was administered over a long period of time, what do your interests recommend? Absolute destruction of this thing. It went down the storm drains. That's how it can travel the length of the city without anybody seeing it. Don't touch me. Don't you touch me. They stole my baby. Did you see it? Did you see it? What does it look like? What are you afraid of? Get those cameras out of my face, please. I got no comment. I had nothing to do with this. Will you get that thing out of my face? Get out of the way! He could have killed you. You know why he didn't? You know why he didn't kill you? You've never been exposed to radioactivity in radioactive material or undergone extensive x-rays. No, Doctor, I told you. Can't rule out uh, genetic damage. My department has already cautioned the police about excessive violence. If it could be dispatched with a bullet, or, or better still, some kind of a gas. Undoubtedly, it is very small, and any kind of bodily harm, especially from gunshots or, or explosives. In other words, you want me uh, to sign away the body, is that it? Well, it's your right. After all, you are the child's father. It's Alive, written and directed by Larry Cohen, starring John P. Ryan, Sharon Farrell, Andrew Duggan, gender politics that feel outdated even for the time the movie was made, (laughs) and Michael Ansara, better known as the voice of Mr. Freeze in Batman the Animated Series, and Kang the Klingon in Star Trek Hmm. in a blink-and-you'll-miss-him role as the police chief. Seriously, he's on screen for like 30 seconds. Tops. (laughs) Amanda, what happens in It's Alive? Do I have to do I have to read the exclamation point? Like do I have to say it's alive every time? Uh I think you do. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just for accuracy's sake. Okay. What happens okay. in it's alive? Leaving their son Chris with a family friend, Frank and Lenore Davis head to the hospital for the birth of their second child, which turns out to be a mutant who kills many doctors and nurses as it escapes. 
Convinced his monstrous son must be destroyed, Frank ignores Lenore and Chris's pleas and tries to destroy the freakish progeny, unaware that the infant may be the blameless product of an experimental drug gone wrong. So this is going to be the first in a number of times I say this about it. It's alive. Yes. Great setup. Excellent premise. That synopsis, fantastic. Yes. 10 out of 10 would see that movie. Yes. Now, what are some of the things we might find in this movie? Well, Clay, some things you might find in It's Alive Mm -hmm. include a cop whose specialty is surprisingly not hunting and killing babies. You know, every precinct needs one, just in case they have a situation that calls for other skills. Yeah, and I guess that guy was just already busy hunting and killing other babies. And that, that scene, that's the scene that Michael Ansara is in. He <laughs> plays the chief of police who just stands there and that's just like jokes. Of, yeah. Because that, that oh. cop is like, oh God, my wife and I yes. just lost our child. Yes. And, and he's like, well, you should be grateful. Yeah. <laughs> he's just like, well, <laughs> you should be glad you don't have teenagers. Yeah. <laughs> Their baby. Uh, you will also find a nurse with uh, too much information and not enough bedside manner. I My original version of that one, I was going yes. to say um, a young Paula Jones as a nurse, but <laughs> I don't think anybody would get that. Anybody who gets that joke sh- shouldn't laugh at it. So. <laughs> it's not a good joke. I laughed at it. Whoops. <clears throat> you will also find business meetings, car rides, phone calls, mm-hmm. Changing a light bulb, Mm -hmm. smoking indoors inside a hospital, Mm -hmm. and a lengthy scene about PR firm client retention. Yes. All of the things that you come to the horror movies for. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that a riveting list of things that have happened in this movie? Compared to the synopsis, it sounds like (laughs) the same movie. But you will be happy to hear that in keeping with the general theme of this list, Mm -hmm. you will also find intensely questionable parenting. Intensely. Intensely. Um, So yeah, it's alive. Uh, Great synopsis. (laughs) Yes. Great poster. Uh Uh-huh. Great title. Yep. Larry Cohen, director, writer, director of this movie, is a uh, famous schlock director and writer. Okay. Uh, he has uh, some of his more famous movies are Q the Winged Serpent. Um, he did Return to Salem's Lot, the sequel to oh, Salem's Lot. Oh, huh. Uh, he wrote Maniac Cop. He wrote the movie mm-hmm. Phone Booth. Do you remember that movie? The Colin Farrell movie Phone Booth? Oh, is that the one where he's like the one where he's in the trapped phone booth. in the yes. phone booth because he can't get off the phone or people will die or something insane like yes, that? Yes. Yeah. yeah. That reminds me of one of my favorite jokes from The Office when they're on the <laughs> bus going to the beach and somebody brings up the movie Limitless. And uh, Phyllis goes, oh, is that the one where the guy becomes limitless? <laughs> it's a stupid joke, but it's always one of my favorites. I don't remember that one, though. Um, he also did a movie called The Stuff, which I, mm. I I look forward to doing as a wild card at some point because I've only seen it once or twice. Mm-hmm. I saw it in college. I loved it. Mm. And it is definitely a schlocky movie, but I loved it. And I hope it holds up. Yeah. However. <laughs> has this has It's Alive shaken your faith? After watching this movie... I wonder if maybe my faith is misplaced mm. because um, uh, you, people always say as advertised. Mm. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, how was it? As advertised. You know, it says what's on the tin. Yeah. If you're English. <laughs> this movie, technically not, I guess you could say as advertised, but there's like no monster baby in this movie. No. You get 
glimpses of it. I feel like a supercut of the monster baby in this movie would maybe take about eight minutes. Yeah. Of a 90 minute movie. Yeah. And as we alluded to, not so subtly, <laughs> there is like everything but monster baby that takes up the most of this. Yes. Yes, there, there's lots of phone call. Like when I when I read that list of dumb, boring things, those dumb, boring things are actually the vast majority of the runtime of this movie. Yes, I, people talking on the phone, people driving back and forth in cars, people having meetings. Yeah, you know, it's uh, there are like the halfway point or like you know the hour mark yeah. is usually a big moment in a movie. It's yeah. like where the where the hero has his first false victory or his, yeah. his biggest loss. You're kind of setting things up for the, the yeah. backup. Like yeah, like in, in The Dark Knight, the halfway point is where mm-hmm. Rachel gets killed and they catch the Joker and stuff mm. like that. The halfway point of this movie is, and I, I texted this to you as we were watching it, is um, John Ryan's character, the father. Frank. Frank. Getting let go by his boss after his boss is like, you really need to take some time off. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And he's like, I don't want to take time off. No. I got a lot of clients coming up. He's like, hey, the clients, you know, they get a certain thing that they're into. It was a discussion about, like, paperwork, essentially. Right. And it was at that point that I was like, this is a great film treatment mm-hmm. that I think they made before they figured out how to m- maximize the concept. Yes. Like they didn't have yeah. enough money or something to do it. Or they live just up to they it needed or... to decide my my kind of rough theory around this movie is that they could not decide the tone. Yes. And so they couldn't decide which direction to go with it. Like I would believe that. Yeah. Is it like a psychodrama? Is it supposed to be sort of like a lot of like psychological internal strife and and complications? Is it a monster movie? Mm-hmm. Is it kind of supposed to be a satire? Because like it's, right. it's 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 a little bit of those things in many moments, but it's not enough of those things in any moment. Yeah. And then it tries to play things straight that I feel like it should have played campy and vice versa. Oh, yes. Yeah. Like there's just so much. I, it's, it's interesting because like the, mo- the movie starts with uh, Frank and Lenore waking up Lenore has woken her husband Frank up in the middle of the night because she's extremely pregnant and she's going into labor and they need to go to the hospital. Mm -hmm. And they have this sort of weird leaving the house scene where they're like extraordinarily calm about it. That's the whole movie. Everybody is extraordinarily calm about everything in this movie. Yes. Yes. And so it's weird because she starts to look kind of distressed as Mm -hmm. this is happening, but she's trying to be like a good 70s wife and keep it together because she's not supposed to like trouble her husband right, who's picking out his outfit yeah. um and they get to the hospital and everything's still relatively like oh i'm gonna have my baby yes you are man please come with me lots of like just like oh we're gonna walk through the halls no we're gonna put the gown on you like very calm and then we finally get to the birth and delivery scene which we don't actually we, we like see it a little bit beforehand but we don't actually see the baby come out and right, we don't right. see what the baby does immediately after. No, we won't see that until about 30 years later and knocked up. Right. You get a <laughs> full close up. True. But I mean, we don't see, you know, they, they don't do the, the subtly covered and then here's the baby. Right, and, oh, right. it's a monster. Like we don't, we don't get that revelation. We see a nurse come stumbling out of the room 
covered in blood and fall down. Yeah. And then the Frank, the father, runs in. And that's when I thought this movie was going to go totally batshit. Yes, like, same. I thought, because it, it comes in and there's just bodies everywhere and they're covered in blood. And she's like chained to the bed, yeah. which they don't actually do. <laughs> When you have a baby, you're not like manacled to the hospital bed. Right. But she's manacled to the hospital bed and left kind of like with her legs up in the air and she's she's covered in sun. She's screaming and the baby's gone. And I was like, oh, the rest of this movie is going to be insane. Mm-hmm. And then fucking nothing happens. Yeah. Up until that point, <laughs> I was I was very much on board up yeah. to that point because yeah. the beginning is very... Um, casual uh-huh and the whole filming style of this movie is, is interesting because it's it's got that um 70s sort of documentary inspired kind of feel where it's a lot yeah. of like handheld camera right it almost feels like home video at times yeah yeah it actually i i it reminded me of you know like the mumble gore or mumble yeah. core type movies <laughs> yeah because a lot of the conversations were very casual and kind of hard to hear in certain places yeah they, they were almost just seemed like about unscripted yeah in a way they, they, they didn't seem carefully plotted out right yeah and so it's it, they're casually going to the to the to the, uh, the hospital because mm-hmm. she's in labor you get this extended sequence where oh the, the God, father that. just starts <laughs> making an old man voice and in the car <laughs> yeah like they he just to, he was just rolling on it and he's like yeah. no just keep going keep going and he used all of it yeah he loved it yeah um, which you know kind of yeah. is I think works as like a goofy dad kind of thing where he's like the dad pushing it too far sure yeah and, and he thinks he's funnier than he is right but it's not played that way or it's not played that way enough yeah in my opinion yeah. um, and then there's the scene that I also skipped over where he's in the uh, the, the the labor waiting room yes, with all with the all other, other 70s dads, dads yeah. smoking their cigarettes and playing poker and complaining about lead See, like that stuff I, I love. I really like that stuff because yeah. like it's not explicitly played for laughs, but like mm. it's kinda like they're they're this is is ridiculous. And it's so casual and then they slowly feed you into the reveal that this right. this baby monster happens and like you said you get this great gory mm-hmm. aftermath sequence and I I had the same feeling as you. I was like, Okay, great. Great slow beginning. They yep. just lit the fuse and now the rest of it's going to be madness yep and then like the next scene is another casual conversation between the doctor and the <laughs> the, the frank where he's <laughs> the like frank. The frank where the doctor's like frank we think you should probably just go home and get some rest uh yeah we don't really know how this is going to play out and, and he's like kind of vaguely threatening the hospital with litigation because he's like somebody stole our baby and i'm yeah. holding this hospital responsible and we're, they're like well come I, on now it might be a murderous mutant yeah we're not doing it justice by trying to describe it <laughs> it's a lot of people acting way too casual about the fact that there is yes. a murderous infant on yes. the loose Yes. Who has killed like seven people. It's bad enough that it's like on, he gets in the car to drive home and it's on the radio. Yes. Like it's already on the radio news, the massacre at like Santa Monica Hospital or yeah. whatever it and, is. And Frank is like, he's not freaked out by it. He's just kind of annoyed. He's annoyed because they name the family. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Frank and Lenore Davis or whatever. And he's like, oh, God damn it. Yeah. And it's. <laughs> this is definitely going to get back to my boss at the PR firm. <laughs> it's it from the, and from that point you've got these small scenes of this baby 
killing people, which those are fun. Like the milk, yeah. the milkman scene was fun. That was probably the best one. Yeah, and even even the one where the baby is sort of crawling through the like tall grass, and mm-hmm. the, the woman hears something, and and he, they they she kill he kills her. Right. But like they're so short, and they're so disconnected from anything that's happening in the main plot with the with the central characters. And also, there's like no urgency to anything where it's like this is on the radio that this has happened right but you're getting a scene where people are just casually delivering milk and not freaking out about the fact that there's a murderous monster baby on the loose right yeah it's so weird and like i i'm not a big i can like take or leave gore Mm -hmm. i think when gore is done well or when it's when it serves the story in the right way whether that's like to be over the top and and gross out or to be dramatic or frightening i'm for it Mm. i don't think it needs to be in every horror movie sure but in this one you don't actually see you see the baby and it kind of it's like these really quick cuts between somebody like Mm -hmm. with their hands up Mm -hmm. and it's clear the baby has attacked them and then you just see a close-up of a gross mouth with like fake flesh in it right right but you never see any sort of like like, how is this baby doing any of this? It's still, like, yeah. the size of a baby. It's, it's kind of like the rabbit from Monty Python and the Holy yes, Grail. Yes, yeah. Where it seems to just propel off the ground at people's necks. But <laughs> I would love to see have to see a scene where it's, like, using the fact that it's a baby mm-hmm. to its advantage. So it's just kind of like, oh, man, and is, like, crying. And some like poor the- person is like, oh, my God, a baby. Someone just left it here. And, like, pick it up. And then it chomps onto your face. Yeah, like think about this whole movie. Yeah. And then think about that one scene from Dead Alive where he takes the the zombie baby to the park. Yes. Much more satisfying in that three minute yes. scene than this entire movie. Yes. <clears throat> um, yeah. Yeah. But so I, yeah, it, it's it's totally really weird that it ratchets up so quickly at the beginning of the movie and then goes back down to like. We have to drive Lenore home from the hospital. And now that she's home, she's trying to cook something in the kitchen. But she's yeah. having a tough time because her baby's a monster and it's disappeared. And it's killing well, people. Well, that's another thing is we don't even really get that much time with Lenore because the entire yeah. focus is on Frank to a weird degree. Yes. And like there's this throwaway line um, during the labor sequence where... You probably remember it better than I do. It's the one where she's like, I don't want you to feel like you're boxed in like you did the last yes. time by this child. Yes. Yeah. Like pretty much outrightly stating that when they first had Chris, their 11 year old son, mm-hmm. Frank was not pleased about it. Right. And then later on, after the baby has has gone on its first rampage and disappeared and they're talking to the doctor, uh, doctors at the hospital, they say, well, it says here that eight months ago you inquired about an abortion. Mm. So it's like interesting because there's these themes of like reluctant parenthood and like not being enthusiastically ready, willing and able to parent a child. And Mm -hmm. like whether that's selfishness or self-doubt or monetary concerns, like whatever the reasons are, they're never gone into in this movie. Right. Yeah. This this thing that's so strange about the way that they choose to play this is they seem to only be concerned with showing um, how the events of this movie make are, are a hassle for the dad. Yes. Yeah. And a hassle is like the perfect way to put it. 
because he's sort of begrudging and like rolling his eyes and trying trying to play it cool in a weird way and like and he's like ah, it's not my baby it's not mine yeah but, not my but even but even that could be really interesting oh sure because yeah. there's there's a whole thing where it's like you know like theoretically speaking the woman is the one who physically gets pregnant and gives birth mm-hmm. So there used to be before like you could have paternity tests and stuff kind of an assumed like we don't actually know whose baby this could be. Right. Like the whole joke about oh it's the milkman. You know what I Mm -hmm. mean? Like hubby goes to work all day in the 50s and the Mm -hmm. milkman comes and gives the wife some milk. Um, (sighs) But like that. Amanda. I know. I had to say it. Come on. This is like a very milk based movie. I have to. I have to be gross about something. There's a uh, lot of milk in this movie. There's a lot of milk in this movie. It's, it's they heavy-handed. Had, they had, I think those were like half gallons he was delivering. He <laughs> developed six he, of them. He delivered four half gallons, <laughs> and when John Frank puts them into the fridge, he had like three more already in there. Yeah. Which I guess, you know, if you got a, chi- a child, I guess, but you'd think that they were, One she would be. child breastfeeding or something if you were expecting a baby oh, but probably so they pro- had i don't know back then in the 70s i feel like it would be kind of like oh poor people breastfeed yeah you know, I mean, you know what I mean? back then you, you give were your lucky. baby formula it's fortified with all the vitamins it needs yeah back then you were lucky if you didn't get a coarse banquet beer with a nipple on the end yeah of there it, you know? go uh and a cigarette dip it in some whiskey off um, to the races but uh, i forget what i was talking about what were we talking about just kind of the we- the weird way this movie handles everything like it's an inconvenience yeah. to Frank. And it's what they choose to show in this movie is baffling to me. Yeah. As we said, all of these really dry sequences that go on along. There's the one thing we forgot to say in the things you might find. Mm. There's literally a scene where oh. Lenore just reads TV Guide. Yes. Yeah. She's like looking for a good movie to watch. Yeah. And like. <laughs> and it goes on for like probably a full 40 seconds, which mm-hmm. is doesn't sound long, but it's really long when you sit there with it. And this is like in the last half an hour of the movie. Yes. Too. When the baby is really going on a rampage and their marriage is falling apart yeah. and Chris, the son has been kept away from it all, but he's coming. He's escaped his captor and he's coming home it's like yeah it's, Lenore needs to read the it's TV so guy. strange and it's all just from the point of view of frank being annoyed not like scared not trepidatious right not uh angry well kind of mostly angry, angry at but, times yeah but it's mostly him being just he's angry but he's not angry about the situation he's angry about how the situation affects him on a very surface level way yes and he's barely even angry at lenore Mm -hmm. which like i'm not saying he should be but from the character that he seems to be in this movie i would buy it a lot more if he turned on her harder Yes. Do you know what I mean? Oh, like, sure. like he he's sort of there's a lot of there's a few lines where he says like your baby did this, you know, give me my son right. talking about Chris, right. the 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 not mutant child. Right. Um and he he kind of denies he's like this baby has nothing to do with me. It's got nothing to do with me. He mm-hmm. says that a few times. But like yeah, it's it's his 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 general emotions seem to be inspired by the fact that like this baby put them in the public spotlight in a negative way and made him lose his job and his wife's being weird about it. Yeah. And there's a lot of stuff that happens off screen. Yes. So like when, yeah. he, when he goes to his office, 
he very casually, they very casually show him strolling into the office and nobody's acting as though anything weird's happening. Mm-hmm. And he has this conversation with his boss where his boss is like, yeah, you got some vacation time. Right. Maybe you should leave and never come back. Yeah. Like in the, even in that scene, I was like, is he saying he should take some vacation time just because he knows he had a kid or does the boss know about the evil baby? Everybody knows about the evil yeah, baby. Yeah. <laughs> but you don't get that sense because in that scene, he's like, uh, I had to hustle past photographers who were trying to take my picture and i'm thinking yeah. why didn't they show that well they do they when do he's the, leaving yes. but it's so weird because he shows up to work like nothing is wrong yeah. and he doesn't seem frazzled or, or bothered at all and like he comes in and they didn't even like hire a couple extras to like turn and watch him walk down the right the the rows you know like yeah. There's no reaction from anybody until the assistant's like, well, Mr. Whatever wanted to talk to you. And there's a few scenes like that where it's just they kind of are very dryly talking about the situation and relaying exposition about stuff that we didn't see. Yeah. Like uh, the scene with the nurse. I mean, with the scene with the nurse is actually ends up being fun mm-hmm. because she's secretly trying to get Lenore on tape so she yes. can sell it. Yeah. My initial knee jerk reaction to that nurse was what a fucking bitch. Yeah. But even I so, didn't realize that like in the moment I was just like god what a horrible nurse but even so the reason you said that is because this no. nurse character is like she comes in and she seems to know everything that's happened yeah Lenore how do you feel about the fact that this child is on the loose has just killed another person yeah and it's like well we didn't see that but did she you hear that it has fangs and claws right. instead of hands and you're like well I've seen the fangs but we haven't seen the claws yeah and there's no like emotion to any of this stuff it's just people yeah. saying it and it just it's it's a really fascinating movie in terms of what they chose to show. Yeah. Also the pace of it. Because yeah. as I was watching this, I think we, we probably both had the same thought. I was like, this movie would be a thousand times better if it was more frantically paced. And if yeah. like the, the scene where the baby is born yep. is like the ball that just you just push the ball down the hill and it just gets faster and faster and faster until everything blows up. Yeah. But they don't do that here and so you mentioned the satire yes there are definitely moments of satire in this uh i think the way that the cops are treated in this are really is really funny because oh just a bunch yeah of idiots running yeah around all the shotguns. all the street cops who just like every police officer in in like a 50 mile radius shows up to pull their guns on yeah, a normal baby start, sitting in a yard just start blasting away at, yes. at anything that moves in the, in yes. the grass that's yeah. fun um, there's a there's a fun scene with the head of like a pharmaceutical company mm-hmm. that felt like something that are out of like Robocop or something where yeah. they're talking about this child that may have been a result of the drugs that they're using and he's yep. like, well, we should make sure that doesn't affect the quarterly something something and it's like, you know, right, right, yeah, you, business capital yes, stuff. Yes. But there's not enough of that stuff. Right. And I I hesitate to to think that maybe it just didn't land right because the stuff is like the opposite of this movie. The stuff mm. is about as on the nose with its satire as you could possibly For a second, be. I was confused what you were saying, and Sorry. then I realized you meant the film. The movie, the stuff. The stuff. Um, it's about as on the nose as you could possibly be with what it's sending up and, and the satire that it's going. But it's like, it's so over the top with it that it that it works still. Yeah. And this feels like... If that's what they were going for, if this is meant to be kind of a satire, it just, they don't go far enough with it. Right. And the focus on the dad never feels like it's in the know. 
Yes. It's Yeah, he feels peripheral to like everything that's going on. Mm-hmm. And I know I I do this all the time. I rewrite the movies we watch and say, well, wouldn't it be better if so-and-so was the main character? That's the only reason you have a podcast. I mean, that's... Yeah, that's... to assert that my opinions are correct. Exactly, yes. Um, but I honestly do think that this movie would be better if it either was entirely from Lenore's point of view or mm-hmm. it switched to her point of view at least for you know what i mean even oh, sure. if it, okay. even if it cycled back and forth between the two of them and yeah. their, their very different experiences yeah. of what's going on the two of them sharing the point of view yes. and the experience of this i think makes it a much more interesting idea right because i i'm even just imagining like so eventually it, it is discovered that lenore is having the monster baby hide in the basement mm-hmm. i would love to see the scene where she realized it was down there. Sure, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you mm. could have a great creepy kind of suspense scene where she hears something in the basement and maybe she thinks she's just hearing things. Maybe she thinks it's the whole experience getting to her, but mm. she goes down and, you know, how how does she come to grips with the fact that she gave birth to this baby? Yeah. And it really is, like, gross-looking. It's a gross-looking baby. But, like, she comes to accept it. Yeah. You know, much more easily than all of the men running around in this movie. Yeah, which I find, you know, I I was jokingly saying as we were watching this, this this has just as much casual 70s misogyny in it as as Black Christmas does, but Black Christmas felt like it knew what it was doing. Right. And I can't tell if this does. And that's a problem. Yeah. You know, like if I kind of wondered for a lot of this movie if didn't really fully know what it was doing because it's it's made in 1974 mm. so like that the same year as black christmas like black christmas 73 was it might have been 72 73 uh i don't think it was, it was either 70 i think it might be the same year keep yeah. talking but but so it's interesting because they do confront the issue of abortion in in black christmas right. and in this movie but this was still you know 1974 i don't know same year yeah 74 yeah i don't i don't know what else like it seemed very natural that like Frank would not be in the delivery room. Mm-hmm. Like there didn't seem to be any commentary about right, it. Right. It's just sort of like, yeah, all him and the dads are in this room hanging out and like they're all being kind of, f- it's, it is kind of a funny scene, mm-hmm. but it's never presenting like this is what he should be doing or this is what he wants to be doing instead. He's not yeah. like, I, I should be in there with her. He never says that. No, like, he doesn't give a shit. Nobody, none of them do. Like, yeah. and, and But it's also not played up enough, I think, to really hit home how yeah. like casually misogynistic it is that like she's the one who physically goes through all this and yet she's really, Lenore's really pushed to the background. Yeah, she's a real movie. afterthought. Yeah. And, you know, the difference, I think, between this and Black Christmas is all of that stuff in Black Christmas is serving the story mm-hmm. and serving the point of, of the movie. Yeah. Where, uh, you know, Elizabeth Hussey's character is put in this position that uh, her survival gets put into question because of the way that men are treating her and and treating the other women and all this kind of stuff. Yes. Whereas this, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like any of that stuff is knowingly being done. Right. Because the, the uh, Lenore, like you said, she gets pushed to the background. Right. So then it just becomes about turning her into an afterthought. Right. And that's kind of what I think I was sort of getting at where, 
I earlier I said that even if Frank had kind of turned on her harder, mm-hmm. I would have thought that that was a more interesting movie because then it would have been she really would have been part of the consequences of what all was yeah. happening rather than just kind of put back at home and told to stay there. Yeah. And and just sit around and do nothing. Like if there was more tension between the two of them, I'd mm-hmm. be like okay, we're seeing the consequences of the kind of casual 70s misogyny. We're just seeing it from the perpetrator's point of view yeah. rather than the victims. I even think that the way that they play Frank in this would could work if everything around him mm-hmm. was going absolutely fucking nuts. Yes. And he was just like, I don't want to deal with this. Like if he was yeah. just like, ah, this is a hassle. I don't want to deal with this. Well, so I, I thought it would be like, I think part of what makes me so angry about this movie <laughs> Is just that there are so many good themes that you could absolutely yes. like play with. And, yeah, and it, no, yeah, definitely. And it could be totally about Frank. It could be about how like you know your your wife gets pregnant and her body changes. She gives birth and her body changes again. There's this whole new person that she kind of has to physically care for twenty four seven in mm-hmm. a way that shuts you out. You know what I mean? Like you could you could show some of like grab him grappling with that, like feeling like alienated and displaced by this creature that he didn't even really want yeah. in their lives. And like, I mean, even the idea of l- this monster baby coming out and causing all this havoc. Yeah. And then they push Lenore to the background while they keep doing all this crazy shit to find it. And if you were like, well, how come they push Lenore to the background? It's like, well, yeah, it's, it's pretty fucked up, isn't it? Yeah. Like they, <laughs> you've got all these yeah. other, there's all these, uh, all these men not con- t- dealing with the mother. Right. While they're doing Like it reminds me of, uh, I was watching Vanishing Point, the mm. car movie recently. Yeah. Love Vanishing Point. And it was the first time in a while that I had really, really sat down and watched it. Mm-hmm. There's like five or six big set pieces in that, right? Yeah. He's uh, Kowalski, the guy in the car, is, is going through different states. And every state, yeah. he's the, the cops are after him. And every scene is, every new state is kind of similar, where these cops, always men, chasing him down. Kowalski fucks him up. Yeah. And then he crosses a state line. And then the cops in the next state, also men, are yeah. like, don't worry about that guy. We'll take him out. No problem. <laughs> And they don't. Like, <laughs> right. they try to chase him down. They can't chase him. They end up smashing into shit and blowing up, and they can't right. get him. Right. And then he gets to California, and they call uh, they call into the, like, the state police in California, mm-hmm. and they cut to the control room mm-hmm. in the California State Police, which is a very high-tech for the time control room, staffed entirely by women. And they use technology mm-hmm. and their brains yeah. to figure out where he's going <laughs> how to stop him mm-hmm. and set up a way to get him and they eventually do and mm. i i never thought i never noticed that before and i was like that's real they don't draw any attention to it or yeah yeah it's not a big feminist moment no but yeah. it was like that's really interesting like they yeah. are going out of their way to say that brute force is not getting this done right and i think there's that's kind of an interesting way you could have played this as well where it's absolutely. like absolutely yeah and it, it reminds me of like i i know you've made the point in the past about the the movie the thing mm-hmm. where like part of the point that that movie is making is the fact that these are all men. Right. Like isolated to deal with this really extreme situation and their knee jerk reactions all tend towards like paranoia and mm-hmm. violence and jumping to conclusions. And only a couple of them at times kind of take a step back and say, whoa, 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 let's stop. Let's, let's right. bring the temperature down. Right. You could do something very similar with this movie. Sure. Where, you know, you have that sort of like 
And I think Frank's character try, like they try with Frank's character to do that because so often he's, he goes to the doctors or he goes to the police officers, all of whom are men. Goes to the doctor, <laughs> he goes to the police. But he is always saying stuff to them like, you guys have to understand, I feel the exact same way you do. Right. I'm just like you guys. I'm right. just like everyone else. I'm not like, I, I agree. This is how we have to do it, men. Mm-hmm. Like he is kind of trying to fit himself into the stereotypical mold. Mm-hmm. And at the end, he kind of breaks out of it. He finds like a level of compassion sure. for the baby. And I can't, let's not get into the ending quite yet. Okay. I can't wait to talk about the okay. ending of this movie. I'll hold, I'll hold back. But, but you get what I'm saying. Like, right, yeah. You could deal with these these different things or you could deal with some sort of like, I don't actually know if this happens to fathers, but like postpartum psychosis is a real thing. Oh, yeah, sure. Like where there are women who fall into like, oh, yeah, well, uh, yeah, I had my baby about five months ago. He's a literal demon. Mm-hmm. And um, I think he's trying to kill me at night when I try to sleep. And they mean it. Yeah. They're being sincere. It's not like a joke. Right. And right. so that's that really happens. And that could be something genuinely nightmarish to deal with in a film. Yeah. And like even if you still want Frank to be the one dealing with it, like sure, have him in some sort of hellish new baby fever dream, but like you'd have to ratchet this movie way, way up. Yeah. And I do think there is some of that, but again, the, the focus on Frank pushes it so far to the background. Cause at the end, the sequence where she's reading the TV guy, she's, yeah. she's doing that. She's trying to distract Frank. Yes. from Going to the basement. Yes. And from that point on, <clears throat> Lenore is, has like lost her mind. Like yeah. she's, Definitely, she has been like slowly disintegrating over yeah. the course of the movie in the background. In the background, yes. And so, like when they get to that point where she's kind of lost it, yeah, and is covering for this murderous child, mm-hmm. it doesn't really land because you haven't spent any time with her, right? And then, right. from the point of the view that you're seeing, it's just Frank being annoyed that his wife's being such a weirdo. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, why are you lurking around in the dark at night? Yeah, yeah. I don't want to watch TV. It's eleven o'clock at night. <laughs> Where's the child? <laughs> so say dads everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's, uh, you know, th- there is some stuff that I did like in this. Um, getting into the ending. Uh, well, yeah. first of all, the baby, the monster, is yeah. designed by Rick Baker. Oh. Uh, who, of course, did um, American War from London mm-hmm. and many other famous uh, makeups. Uh, I guess he, he designed the suit, a giant suit. That his girlfriend would fit in, <gasps> what? and she act acted as the baby in like the shots where it was clearly somebody in a oh, thing. Oh, that's amazing! And then they also had a puppet that they used. Uh, <laughs> I love um, the giant baby suit. What a I, ha- what a Halloween costume! Yeah, I know. <laughs> but yeah, I liked. I thought the best baby murder sequence was like I said the milkman one that was really fun. Yep, yep. The um, carnation milk truck. Yes. <laughs> um, I getting into the ending. I liked when they're going through, this had a very 70s look to it when they're driving the cop cars through the tunnels mm-hmm. and you see like the red lights are going around. That was yep. really cool. Yep. Um, and the act, so you get to the end of this movie and the, ba- the baby has been shot by the police and manages yes. to get away and crawls into the gigantic uh, tunnels of like LA. LA canal tunnels yeah. or whatever. The canals you'll you'd see uh, John Greece. Travolta driving in in Greece, <laughs> and uh, so the fathers and the cops are wandering through the tunnels trying to find the baby, and then Frank finds the child, 
Yes. And has the script. So I want to give some credit to John Ryan here. <laughs> Please. Because this guy, I don't know if he was never a leading man before. Yeah. Be- because this guy gives it everything he's got oh yeah he goes for it yeah yeah from the beginning of the movie like from the beginning of the movie i know it's supposed to be like he's happy because he's having a kid but it seemed like he was happy because he was the lead in the movie (laughs) yes and like you get this scene at the end where he's empathizing with the child and starts crying and he's like just going for it yeah and then this leads into the sequence where he grabs the baby and starts running away as i was we were watching this movie Mm-hmm. I was like, if I remade this movie, the only natural way that this ends mm-hmm. for me is this father, who's been a complete shithead the entire time, <laughs> yes, has this moment of empathy with this monster baby, yeah, and then the monster baby fucking eats him, yeah, <laughs> and it's just like you know, I, I, I underestimated it. I was right, just you know, getting, yeah, because like it's because it, he doesn't earn any of that stuff. It's like he finally gets right. to look at him and he's like, oh, I guess you are my child. You look just like my. <laughs> weird grandmother (laughs) but it's it just doesn't land because it's yeah hasn't been earned well it's weird because like i i wish this movie made a bigger deal of the fact that lenore has been protecting the baby in the basement yeah and then chris the the 11 year old son he runs away from the family friend question mark. Yes, I think so. Guy? Oh, that's another great scene is when they just talk to the babysitter for a few minutes yeah. about nothing. Yes. <laughs> On the phone. But so he runs away from, from the, the uncle or whoever he's been staying with and, and runs home and he comes into the basement and he's confronted with the baby too. And the baby has just killed his beloved pet cat. Yep. And even the, the kid says, don't worry it's going to be okay. I'll protect you. And so I think there would be, if they made, if the movie made a little bit more of the fact that like the wife and mother mm-hmm. has found some sort of way to connect and, and not get attacked by this baby yeah. and empathize with it. The son slash big brother has also immediately embraced this mutant monster baby. And I, I think then, you know, if it, if there could be some sort of like moment where Frank reflected on the fact that like, well, if my wife and my son can come to accept this, this baby as part of our family, then maybe I need to do the same. Oh, like, sure, yeah. He never has, but they never connect those dots for you in yeah. any way. It's just sort of like <laughs> the, the, the son is in the basement is like, I'll protect you to the baby. And, and Frank, the dad comes downstairs and he's like, get out of the way, Chris. And then he shoots the baby. He's the one who shoots the baby. Oh, he d- that's right. I'm sorry. Yeah. I thought the cops shot him, but he shoots him. That's so it's right. like, yes. even if he had pulled the gun and then hesitated and mm. it had shown that like, oh, he's talked a big game, but when it comes down to it, he doesn't actually want to hurt this mm-hmm. thing. Then I would buy the the ending in the sewers a yeah. little bit more because yeah. it would be like he had a clear shot and he didn't take it. Yeah. And then to later on be like, I've been wrong. You know, I've been a terrible father or whatever. There's that reminds me. There are some fantastic conversations in this movie that, again, remind me of like RoboCop conversations, mm-hmm. where but, there's like evil corporations lurking yeah, in the background. Yeah, but there's there's an there's an even better one where where um, uh, after being hounded by, I, I don't know if it was doctors or, or a corporation, yeah. he signs over the body. Yes, because they're the intent is they're going to kill this thing. Yes, and he and signs they, over the corpse. And then they want to study it. They want to study it. Yeah. 
And then I forget who makes the suggestion, but he's like, I already signed over the body to the to science. And this other guy's like, well, what if we blew him up? Yeah. <laughs> what if there was no body? What if we killed him? Total the, annihilation. Total annihilation. Yeah. And like, which is in and of itself hilarious. Yes. But I, it's it doesn't feel to me like the intent is to be silly. It's yeah. like, and so it doesn't land to me the, as like satire. As I'm saying it back, I'm like, that's fucking hilarious. Yeah, but, but I, in the movie, in the moment, you're just sort of like, yeah, of course they want to blow it up. Because the yeah. whole theme of this movie is apparently all the men really want to kill babies. Yeah. And, and honestly, I think that stuff played so straight yeah. would work better if the rest of the movie was more heightened. Yes. Like Robocop. Yeah. More movies should be like Robocop, which should be really be the name of my podcast. But yeah, so that brings us to the ending ending, which I will say, I have never seen an ending quite like this movie. (laughs) I legitimately had no idea what was going to happen. Yeah, because you get to a point where it's like, how could this possibly end? I thought he was going to pick the baby up and then like just run off into the tunnels and that was going to be it. And it was going to yeah. be like, oh, he's decided to save the baby. That does happen. Right. But then he eventually comes out of the tunnel. And all of the police in the LA area yes. have surrounded him. And they're all got their guns on him. And, and there's, there's one dude mad. screaming there's at him. One scream. He's like, I'm yeah. going to shoot him. He's like, no, yeah. if you shoot the baby, you're going to shoot me and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And then... These these the two these two doctor guys who I think are the ones who want the baby to study yes come up and are like yeah, blah 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 you know give us the something or I don't even remember if they say much and all the cops are getting heated tensions are at the boiling point <laughs> Frank throws the child yes at the doctor yes and all of the cops open fire <laughs> while the while the baby latches on to the doctor's face and yes. starts killing him they open fire and kill the baby and the doctor doctor. in a hail of gunfire yes and then frank just goes home yes yeah he like (laughs) he like hugs and his wife who they brought the police put poor traumatized lenore in the back Mm -hmm. of a cop car and drove her here to specifically make her watch her baby get killed yes he just frank and lenore stare at each other for a second and then they hug and then the like one quote-unquote nice cop like touches his back. Yeah. Unbelievable. And it's unbelievable like, ending. And I would I if I were to show I would show this movie to people. I would, I would not. I would <laughs> cut it down. Mm. Where I would have I would show the first five minutes up through the, the first baby murder. Yes. I would show the uh the the milkman yes. murder. Yeah. And then I would show like the last like maybe eight minutes of this movie. <laughs> I think you get enough from that and you can put the put the rest of it together in yeah. your head. Yeah. Um, but it is, it is an ending like I have never seen. Because I don't. I feel like, like I, when I say I would show, I feel like it's worth it just to show that, this ending. That ending, yeah. And usually if there's a movie like that, I'm like, oh, you know, I, watch the movie. I don't think you need to watch the movie. Just no. watch the last 10 minutes of this movie. And yeah. it's the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. Yeah. But the, the, my, my, my problem <laughs> with this movie is that it thinks it's saying a lot of serious shit Mm -hmm. and it's not saying anything. And then it has this bizarre ending that doesn't match with any of the serious shit it thinks it's saying. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Like there's no, there's no, 
there's no catharsis. There's no, like, nobody has learned anything. Nobody right. has grown. Right, yeah. Like. And the last the last line in the movie is the other doctors saying oh, another baby has been born in Seattle. Another one is yeah. born in Seattle. And it's like, it's just going to keep happening because, mm-hmm. I don't know, birth control pills are evil. I couldn't put my finger on what they were blaming it on. There was. There, I, there was that one scene that seemed to imply it might have been birth control pills, but I think it was something else more specific. I don't than know. That. There, there is when when the doctor when the doctors are at the house convincing Frank to sign over the remains mm-hmm. once they are there are any, um, and cr- kind of going crazy. Lenore comes downstairs and tries to play good hostess in mm-hmm. a really weird way. Mm-hmm. Um, the doctor says to her, "Like, have you been taking the pills I've been giving you?" Yes. And she says something like, well, maybe it's all those pills that were the cause of this in the first place. And he's kind of like, yeah, uh, yeah. she knows. Like, he has like a look on his face like, oh, no. Yeah. This, um, this, so weird. I, I think Larry Cohen's a little bit older than David Cronenberg, I think. Yeah. But Could this, you imagine a Cronenberg version of this movie? Well, it's called The Brood. Yeah. yeah. That's true. The, the, That's I very, say, very, very true. This movie's like a not very good version of The Brood. Because it it kind of Absolutely, operates totally in the right. same space where I know that the brood was kind of a direct response to um, everything that was happening with th- thalidomide babies. And uh, have you not heard about this? Not, no. So I'm probably going to butcher this story because I have not looked it up. But <laughs> there was a um, and drug. And you know that's what the people come to yeah. us for. It's Gross accurate, speculation. Accurate and information and well-researched. Half-remembered stories. <laughs> there, was, uh, there was a... I believe it was a drug yeah. called thalidomide mm. that was specifically being given to pregnant women because they thought it was like a vitamin or would like aid with pregnancies. Okay. And what it ended up doing is causing like gross, when I mean, gross, I mean like widespread mm. um, mutations and deformities in the children. Got it. I'm going to just double check this so I don't look like an asshole. But, <laughs> um, but it's sort of like, 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 a real version of what people tried to say crack babies were in like the nineties where there was this whole myth that like women who'd done crack and got pregnant, Mm -hmm. that their babies were going to be like barely human and it wasn't true. Yeah. So so thalidomide was a widely used drug in the late 1950s, early 1960s for the treatment of nausea in pregnant women. It became apparent in the sixties that thalidomide treatment resulted in severe birth defects and thousands of children. Yikes. And so like, that's kind of where, um, the brood comes from that, yeah. that kind of thing, and I think that's probably where this comes from as well. Yeah, but this movie doesn't do as good a job. No, 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 no. <laughs> of like putting that out there, but it's that same sort of like paranoia of pharmaceutical companies giving right. you something you don't know what's right. doing to your baby. Over over extended medical intervention, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the brood. I'm looking forward to talking about the brood eventually because yeah, that's a I haven't great watched movie. that in forever, and uh, it's also. The thing, the brood is also got a lot of like subtextual misogyny in it because it was yeah. the result of um, David Cronenberg wrote it after a horrible divorce. With his yeah, wife. I was gonna say, wasn't it like a breakup movie? Yeah, where it's just like you horrible monster. Yeah, and it, while it's not necessarily <laughs> and it's David Cronenberg who already has a hard enough time dealing with women. Yeah, <laughs> it's while it's not like across the board just the way things are you know it's still in there in the way that you know the the, the mother figures presented and represented and stuff like sure. that but we'll talk about that when we get to it but uh yeah it's it's interesting that this was a common or a shared idea yeah um 
and I do think that there is a ton of great ideas in here that, yeah. you know, as we've been saying, are just not really exploited in any way that feels like, oh yeah, they really did something fun or interesting. Right, that's the thing. It's like they're, they're, they didn't, they needed to go f- pick a direction and go further in it, whether that mm-hmm. direction was, yeah, we want to do like a kind of cerebral psychodrama about parenthood and like deep issues and themes, or we kind of just want to do an insane monster movie that's right. just like, what if evil cannibal baby right like either one of those like one of those would have leaned more towards the brood or even rosemary's baby Mm -hmm. and the other one would have at least been like a fun monster movie yeah and this ends up being neither because it can't decide where it wants to go yeah i think unfortunately i was just thinking about this as we were talking here um i think you could if you could remake this movie and it would yeah. be real. You could do a really great job. I guess they did remake it in like the mid two thousands, and it was not good. Oh. Uh, Larry Cohen said, "If you're interested in my movie, if you like my movie, yeah, uh, cross the street when you see this new one coming." <laughs> you. Even though I think he like co-wrote it, I don't know. But um, the problem is, I don't really know. Can you make this movie now without really getting into some questionable areas as far as like? paranoia around what the drug companies are putting into your body and whether or not it causes birth defects like i I mean i think you can you obviously you can you can choose to do that if you want to but it's i think it occupies a much more um controversial yeah yeah controversial space in this current moment in time which is too bad because i i think that there's a difference between like conspiracy theorying your way around medical questions Mm -hmm. and then genuine questioning Mm -hmm. like i think people should should be able and allowed and encouraged to question whether or not the earth is flat yeah gotcha (laughs) but you know what i mean like if if a doctor recommends a specific prescription to you you should be fully informed of the potential like interactions and side effects the thalidomide thing is not made up yeah exactly and so I, i think it's really valuable to be able to do that and i i do think that it's good to not just blindly always say okay whatever you say mm. i'll immediately ingest it yeah. but i i think that's true outside of the medical realm too like people who get like weird supplements and and shit on the internet who do those like herbal life things and mm-hmm. whatever like i would not i would not take those no like, <laughs> que- questioning these kinds of things is good mm-hmm. but i know what you're saying we're in the current political climate especially in the united states it's uh it can come off as a bit of a dog whistle to certain groups yeah i mean yeah. you know the 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 vaccines causing autism exactly thing is such 5g a yeah. chips in your head yeah um, so it'd be interesting. I think, I think it's, but I think you could do something where it is sort of like the, the, you know, like almost like what the Baba Duke does mm. with dealing with motherhood and grief. Sure. Sure. Yeah. You could do something really interesting with a remake of this. Yeah. That could deal with the, the sort of like <clears throat> physical alienation of pregnancy and birth and parenthood from both the mom and dad's points of view. Mm. Like it it applies in different ways to both parents. Yeah, definitely. And I yeah. think you could do some really great stuff with it. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. 
Uh, just lastly, uh, Bernard Herman did the music for this. Bar- Bernard oh. Herman, we talked about him once before. He did the music for Sisters, Brian De Palma's Sisters. Yeah. As a very famous film composer, he did the music for Psycho. He did North by Northwest. He did Vertigo. He did Citizen Kane. Yeah. Um, That's funny because when we were watching it, Greg was saying the only good thing about this movie was the soundtrack. Yeah. There, yeah. there was these classic, there, a few of these classic film score composer guys kind of like fell out of vogue or something mm. in the early 70s and the 80s. Yeah. And unfortunately, Bernard Herrmann passed away, I think, in 1978. Oh, wow. So... Thankfully, this was not the last thing he oh, did. Thank God. The last thing he did was Taxi Driver. I think this movie did is... not deserve him. No, I mean I'm glad not. it was there because it was one of the highlights of watching this. Because like stylistically, there's not a lot to say about this movie. It yeah. looks it looks very 70s. Yeah, it's shot very 70s. Visually, other than the baby monster, it's not doing anything very interesting. Yeah, it's weird though because I think like while it's not doing anything that interesting, I feel like you could. If you did remake this, yeah. you wouldn't need to tweak the style that much to make it feel modern because of the way that a lot of these... I, I think obviously... Interesting, because I, I was going to say, I actually think if you remade this and you left the style roughly the way it is, that feeling of like temporal weirdness and mm-hmm. sort of displacement, like you walk into the hospital and you feel like you stepped back into the 70s, sure, yeah. could actually heighten some of the... yeah. Some of the weirdness I guess, and the tension. Yeah, but. I guess what I mean is just like kind of what I was saying earlier about it feeling like a mumblecore movie. There's just something yeah. weirdly weird about it that I feel like is because of the rest of the trappings of the movie is the way everybody looks and everything. Yeah. It feels 70s, but I think huh. a similar style would would not be out of place. I guess maybe that's a way to put it. Not modern, but it wouldn't feel out of place. I get what you're saying. Like yeah. if, if you found out the innkeepers was happening down the street, you wouldn't be shocked. Right. Yeah. Right. Like it has kind of the same sort of conversational vibe as a movie like yeah. that. Yeah, that's fair. Um, but yeah, uh, Bernard Herrmann did some some really interesting movies towards the end of his career. Elmer Bernstein's another one. He did. Uh, um, Ivan Reitman grabbed him. In the early 80s, and he did Stripes, he did Ghostbusters, and, yeah. and, which is not the kind of stuff he was usually doing, If I, <laughs> I think, if I remember correctly. Um, but yeah, it's uh, the music's good. Bernard Herrmann, master, obviously. <laughs> um, so the final question. This is number 196, <laughs> I believe, yes, 196 yes. on our list. Uh, would you keep it here? Would you move it higher would you move it lower would you remove it from the list i would throw it all the way out yeah far far away from this list i don't think i was prepared for anything to any other movie to make me think maybe phantasm does belong on this yeah um (laughs) like i was yeah this is not as much as i dislike phantasm yeah i didn't actively maybe i did and i said this on the show and i don't remember (laughs) but i didn't actively like wish that it was over <laughs> this was the first movie yeah. i think we've done where i was actively like checking my watch and yeah. being like all right okay 10 more minutes and this is done yeah yeah this is i i just i thought of literally every single wild card either one of us has picked mm-hmm. and just thought why not that yeah why not that why not just, that why not that just for reference on either side of this on the list is Hellraiser at number 197 and Jacob's Ladder at number 195. Okay. Why is this beating Hellraiser? Great question. Great question. I'm not a huge Hellraiser gal, but Mm. like I appreciate it for what it is and the sort of iconography of it. Yeah. I am baffled. 
if you go to a if you go to a, a horror convention or a comic book convention, yeah. and you see someone who's done a drawing of famous horror movie monsters, yep, you know who you, who you are going to see on that Pinhead. Yes, you know who you're not going to see on that the baby from this movie. Well, mostly because you don't really get to see a good look, yeah. but <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I I'm going to play. Just gonna check and see if it's on here before I do this. Sure. But I am going to play the Black Christmas card on this one and be like, Ooh. "This is if this is on here and I Black always, Christmas is not on here." I keep forgetting that it was bumped at some point. Yeah, I believe it is. It is. <sighs> I don't think it's on here anymore. That is so upsetting. Yeah. That's that's really bad. It used to be at one ninety five, so it was it's, one. Definitely not there. That's Jacob's Ladder now, isn't it? Yeah, I know that they listed it the last time. It was listed under like a foreign title name or something. But oh yeah, it was like I don't know, Mary Mary Murder Day or something. Four girls and a guy with a knife. I don't I don't know where they tell you what it's also named by. Yeah, I don't remember. But but yeah, I don't think it's on there because anytime it's been on there, it's been in like the the bottom ten, and it was not there as I just scroll through. I can't believe this has beaten that out. Yeah, that's really upsetting. And and seriously, like any any of the wild cards that we've done, I would put on this list before it's alive. Yeah, I would agree. Even even I know like one of one of my more recent wild cards was um whatever happened to Baby Jane and I know there was some debate whether or not that even qualifies as a horror movie mm-hmm. I would still put it on this list before <laughs> I put it's alive on here yeah I mean like it's just I've, in terms of like it's a better quality movie <laughs> yeah I feel like the main thing getting this that's it on here is the Larry Cohen of it all because he is yeah um such a he's he he's one of like the the more well-known schlock guys from the 70s and 80s yeah do you but, think uh, there are any of his other I, i'm not familiar with his work but like are there any of his other movies that you would put on this list before it's alive exclamation um, mark this is the only one of his that's on the list i again have not seen it in a long time yeah i would put the stuff on this list mm. before i would put this on the list mm. so i'm looking forward to watching that I, I am too because I, I would like to have a better <laughs> opinion of this person. Do you, want, do you want me to tell you what it's about? If there's a way you can do that without spoiling things hugely. Sure. Um, I'm pretty sure it's not a... S- I'm not going to tell you what it's about. Okay. <laughs> I will just patiently wait. I can't remember when they reveal certain things, so I, I won't tell you. Got it. If there are reveals involved, it's better not to risk it anyway. But uh, yeah, I think I think we both pretty clearly agree that... Uh, this is is not something that should be on the list. Yeah, this, this two hundred best horror movies. Thinly veiled Frankenstein adaptation is really not. Oh, I hadn't thought about that. Clay, it's alive. Oh well, I mean they use the name, and he I mean, talks about Frankenstein, yeah. and his name is Frank, and but it's like, his son that he it... created, and it's a monster that's misunderstood. <sighs> yeah, that's dies semi tragically. Yeah, blah. it is Frankenstein. Damn it. it. Yeah, it's just a thinly veiled Frankenstein adaptation. Yeah, that makes me like it even less. <laughs> well, it's funny you mentioned Frankenstein because. Uh, I, as I mentioned before, I did hit the randomizer button earlier. Beep, boop, boop, beep, boop, 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 beep, boop. And it's taking us all the way down to number 198. And this is one I think would be in it is going to oh. be an interesting discussion. 
uh, judging just based solely on where it is in the list, especially in relation to this fucking movie. <laughs> um, it's a movie that has, the title is three of my favorite words, which are Bram Stoker's Dracula. I'm pumped. Yes. I'm, yes. I have not watched this in a very long time. I'm very excited to talk about this because this is a movie that I love. Yep. But also I don't necessarily think is really that good. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, there's some questions of quality. There's like, there's one glaring element that just brings the whole thing down a couple notches, and I blame it on what could that be? I blame it exclusively <laughs> on the mid '90s or the early '90s. So we will get to that next time. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Uh, if you want to help support the show, head over to Patreon.com/slash The Penske File, where if you join our Patreon, you can hear Amanda and I go through the. Second string, Stephen King. Second string, there second string of Stephen King. So, but I'll I'll get it in December. Yeah, we're working um, up to it. Where we're covering the uh, kind of the the Stephen King also ran adaptations, the ones that are not yeah. on our main list here. Some pretty good ones in that also ran list. Yeah, though. I'm yeah. excited. We uh, January was it chapter two. February was Silver Bullet. March was Salem's Lot. Uh, April is needful things yes uh, christine is on that list I th- are we doing Firestarter? uh i don't know but i, I hope I, th- so. I think sometimes they come back is on the list i hope we're doing Firestarter because they're actually they're doing a new Firestarter. Ooh! i saw the trailer for it the other day um john carpenter does the soundtrack for it nice so Ooh. that alone makes me want to see it all right uh, i actually i saw that as a preview in front of uh i saw ty west's x mm. i wish we had just spent the last hour and change talking about <laughs> x instead of <laughs> it's a lie damn it um but yeah and there's all other po- there's tons of other podcasts last year amanda and i covered the entire friday the 13th series r.i.p r.i.p so uh uh check that out thank you guys for listening thank you amanda for joining me thank you Clay. and we'll see you next time Bye, everyone.